0: This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.
1: This is A
0: Voice. Hello and welcome to One World, Many Voices. I'm Jeremy Fisher.
2: And I'm Dr Gillian Kayes.
0: And this is our homage to World Voice Day, April 16th. Do
2: you know what? I really love the the theme, um, which is One World, Many Voices, for me, it captures so much about the needs of our modern society. Diversity is embraced by this title. Absolutely. And also the need to connect, which is what we are so aware of right now because of what we've all been through so far with the global pandemic.
0: So we've done so many episodes so far, and we thought one of the nice things to do on One World Many Voices, we've, had, we've talked ourselves, obviously, because it's our podcast, um, But also we've had so many guests so far and we thought what would be really nice would be to look back.
2: We're doing best of, aren't we? We're
0: doing best of is looking back over the last year to find out which the best bits of the podcasts were. And we have some absolute crackers for you.
2: And you know what? It's not even a year since we started, is it? July. July,
0: 2020.
2: Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. Uh, and we're in series two.
0: Yep. Hello and welcome to the podcast and this is a very special edition because we're having our first guest in our Lockdown Heroes series and this is all based around SOVT and Oren Boda, who's our SOVT expert, is going to be telling you what it's all about.
2: Mm. And you know what, this is podcast number 10. Number 10. Yeah, amazing that we got there. I just want to say something about uh, why even the idea of Lockdown Heroes came about. You know, there's some really heroic stories Mm. that we've been um, hearing about within our voice community and, you know, how people have navigated moving from in-person singing lessons around the tech of working online and particularly how people who run their own theatre companies have been working, you know, sort of um, youth companies And people who work with choirs wanting to still be there Mm. for their communities. And it's been an enormous challenge. And just watching people navigate that has frankly been inspiring.
0: I think one of the great things about working in music or working with the human being, actually, is how creative you can be. Mm. And we have watched people really grab the creative thing and go with it.
2: And I think as well, musicians are collaborators. You know, most of the time we're not doing this performing thing on our own. Mm. And I think that one of the reasons why uh, people have been able to move on at this time is because they've been talking together. Yes. They've been collaborating. Yeah. I can remember um a couple of um, pan-European voice conferences ago, there was a whole presentation on... um S-O-V-T, and uh, Ingo had presented his work on uh, why he thinks it works so well and the impact on the vocal folds. And there was a debate about whether length matters. So uh-huh. um, Ingo Tietze was in, in the camp where actually the length isn't important. The, the Laxvox people uh, were not in that camp, and they said that they felt length did matter. And, you know, other questions I have in my mind, Laxvox tends, I think, to use um, a silicon tube or a a plastic tube. And I know that when I blow into my Dr. Vox, which is made of silicon, it's a very different sensation from blowing down one of my biodegradable straws or your metal straw. So a question in my mind is not only about length and width, but um, what the device is made of Mm. and how, whether or not that makes an impact
3: it absolutely does and so this is this has really been the fundamental kind of questions underpinning the work that i'm doing at the moment in terms of my computer simulations and mathematical models of what's going on mm-hmm. in these uh, devices and um first of all length does matter in these um in this topic um Maybe that is controversial to some people, but if we look at the physics of what's going on, um, what we're talking about, the, the fundamental underpinning of how you calculate the resistance is you take the input resistance or the input pressure and output pressure mm-hmm. and you find the difference or you find the drop between them. And so you, you say that the tube is has a pressure drop of whatever the value is and that is your resistance value Mm. and so when you're thinking about it in this way if you have a longer tube sure you know if you have a longer tube with a fixed diameter the pressure drop isn't going to be that much and so in that situation i appreciate that the argument might be that length doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because you're purely focusing on the aperture. Okay. When you have a tube that does something else, either putting it in water, for instance, or having, you know, expansions and contractions like our tube does, then length does become really important Mm -hmm. because across that length we're looking at how the tube starts in terms of diameter and how it ends. Mm-hmm. If the starting diameter is larger than the ending diameter, then you're going to have a greater pressure drop because you have a greater pressure, yes. significantly greater pressure mm-hmm. at one end and a, a lower pressure at the other end. You get a greater pressure drop as a result mm. and you get increased resistance as a result. Um So length, I think, does matter just depending on what device and what specifically you're trying to target. In terms of material properties, though, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting, I don't think it matters... I don't think it matters too much. It depends on the airflow. Um, Stainless steel is a very smooth material. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're looking at at the micro level... The impurities in in the surface finish are just tiny. Mm. If you're looking at something like uh, biodegradable paper, you've got. Um, fibres and things that kind of jut out on the microscopic level which will impact the airflow across the boundary layers and so you might get some more turbulence in that airflow which will increase the resistance Mm. Mm. Um, Silicon materials will do the same but then obviously everything is now in accordance to the diameter. Typically the silicon tubes that we use are wider in diameter Mm. and so there is less interaction of the air across the boundary because more of it is just passing through the Uh (laughs) centre. percentage, Um, isn't it?
2: That makes sense.
3: Yeah. Percentage of width.
2: Good. Well, that was an exciting answer. Okay. Hello,
0: and welcome to Podcast 13, and he's back. We had so many questions about the SOVT, and we should say that uh, Oren Bode, who's our guest today, uh, Gillianne and I did a course last Saturday, which was the SOVT workshop, which was actually amazing. Yes, And we have had a barrel load of questions, which we decided to make this podcast the SOVT AMA part two.
2: So thank you. First of all, um, Oren, you were our first uh, podcast guest. And you're also another first is that you've been our first um, pop-up
0: workshop workshop guest as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast, and we have, we're we going to go straight in. We have so many... Oh, no, you've, you've got a thing. I haven't given
2: him a chance to speak yet, but can I just give, <laughs> you, right. can I just give you some <laughs> feedback, um, which is uh, about the course. Uh, thank you so much for arranging, arranging that. So many things to go away and work on. Despite the rain, I bounced back into the house and gushed a load of things at the husband. He now looks shell shocked and doesn't really understand anything I've just said.
0: (laughs) And we'd like to give a personal. That's good feedback. We'd like to give a personal apology to Grace's husband. (laughs) Great. Hello.
3: How are you? Yeah. Hello. Uh, Good. Actually, I'm still kind of buzzing from the other day. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, And I think the the types of questions and the types of ideas that everybody was having is going to be so cool and interesting to discuss today yes
2: I think you know what I, I was I've been thinking about it obviously since Saturday and although there is scientific research and also quite a lot of theoretical research into how sovt works we're really only at the beginning of what it means to put it into practice in different situations the in. In singing, teaching and voice use. We know something about therapeutic voice work, but we don't know a lot about purposing it in singing teaching. So I feel in a way that the course that you've created and what you're doing is really contributing to that. And that that we need an army of people out there now to sort of go out, try things Mm. out. And start collating that info, yeah. which for me mm. as a researcher is hugely exciting. Yay. Okay. Um, we have, uh,
0: people have been submitting questions in all sorts of ways. We've had questions on email, we've had them on Facebook, and we've had some of our speakpipe.com slash vocal process. Uh, people have been using that, which means we actually get to hear their voices, and we got uh, four or five of those. So I want to go straight to...
2: Can, should we ask Oren first to do a, a very quick definition of, what s-o-v-t is what do we mean by that
3: okay
0: you've got 30 seconds go
3: okay (laughs) uh s-o-v-t so semi-occluded vocal tract basically means that there is some kind of partial occlusion partial closure uh at any point along the vocal tract above the vocal folds that partial closure creates really cool little physics tricks and interactions that sends Air pressure and acoustic energy backwards to reinteract with the vocal folds. Basically, we're just recycling all of the energies that we've outputted, so we can reuse that for our benefit when doing other singing tasks. It's like
2: regenerative braking.
3: Great, it is.
2: regenerative
0: braking. We've got ourselves (laughs) an electric. Just got a new EV. Got a new EV, and I am loving the regenerative braking. Makes so much sense. Yes. Yes,
2: so much sense. Love
0: that. Um, there
2: you are. There's a new... Is it that one's an analogy for you in, yes. in addition yeah. to your soft clothes cupboards? Yes. Yes. Soft yes. Closed we'll yeah. the
0: soft-closed cupboards in a minute. <laughs> we will indeed. Um, so technically, pretty much anything above the vocal folds can be an SOVT device. So it could be the mm-hmm. back of the tongue, it mm-hmm. could be the lips, mm-hmm. it could be the soft palate, it could be anything. And where we're looking at now is the difference between active and passive mm-hmm. SOVT. So talk to us about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... um it's probably easier to explain the, the passive stuff first. So passive is just by using some kind of um, device or tube or straw uh, that is independent from the body that you place at the level of the lips. Um, and so you haven't really got to do anything physical except for just gently sealing the lips around whatever it is that is you're using. Yeah. Active then is kind of all of those things that you just kind of explored there. It's the other stuff that you can physically manually mal- manipulate uh, about your um, anatomy uh, and articulators and all that kind of stuff. Yes.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the neat things you said in the workshop was that, in fact, it's easier for us to control the passive form, the, the sort of the variables there, because it's yeah. we don't always get, you know, enough biomechanical feedback about what we're doing internally.
3: Mm. Yeah, exactly. And mm. it's, it's also more reliable mm. to use something like, passive because you you can always come back to and use the same length or diameter or whatever of straw Mm. whereas when you try and reposition the things that you do actively you know you might have a slightly different tongue position or a slightly different Mm. mouth Mm. shape so it's harder to be more reliable with the effects that you want to receive yes
0: okay yes absolutely Our special guest today is James Sills, and he's the author of Do Sing in 2019. Gillian's just going to read a little bit out that really struck a chord with us.
2: Yeah, this is from Chapter 7, and it's Harmonise. When we sing together, we create harmony. Not just musically, but in the broader sense of the word. Harmony comes from the Greek word harmonia, which means joined, in agreement, concord. And this is what it feels like to sing together a feeling of connection, unity and fellowship. To sing together is to be part of a community. Your voice is heard, it's powerful and there's never been a greater need for this.
4: James, (sighs) what a great thing to write. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's lovely to see you both and hear you both. Of course, we're on audio and video. Yes.
2: Actually, reading that yesterday, when we were thinking about, you know, how should we lead James in, I nearly cried because you wrote that presumably between 2018 and 2019, and here we are right now in this situation. Nothing could have been more prophetic in some ways, did you, but know it.
4: Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, yeah, like you say, when I wrote that, I was very much aware of the need to come together to build community, all things that I'm sure we're going to talk about today. And then when, when lockdown happened and we, we found ourselves in the situation that we are now, you know, there's this paradox. We, we need to come together even more. We need to feel that fellowship and community even more, but we can't. Um, and so it's a very, very interesting time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, I hadn't really reread that in the context of where we are now but um but absolutely Gillian yeah what a lovely place to start because of
0: your background and your your experience and the way that you work community and health have always been really strong and for that still really strong in everything that you do talk to us about that
2: it's well-being isn't it James i think i want to sort of put health under that wider umbrella mm, well-being yeah. that's certainly what i've picked up from you
4: yeah yeah uh, yeah absolutely um i mean if I, You know, if I think about, you know, the my earliest music-making experiences, I, I can't separate them from the communities in which, you know, they, they were linked to, you know, so whether it was singing with my dad in the football terraces or whether it was um, singing in assembly or when I was a bit older playing trombone in the local brass band, then when I was a bit older writing songs and trying to sing like Kurt Cobain doing Nirvana covers with my mates. <laughs> you know, this full spectrum of music-making, for me the music was almost secondary to the the, the the you know the role that it kind of facilitated in me being part of those communities and so um i have never in my mind had a separation of the two it's never been kind of music over here and kind of community and health and well-being over here it's it's been part of the same thing yeah. and i think maybe in the last 5 to 10 years has been a real kind of upsurge of interest in it. And, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, even the word wellbeing, you know, wasn't in mainstream use probably five or 10 years ago. And, and it's not, often, it's only obvious when you look back, isn't it? But I think for me, it's always been about communal group, um communal music making. That's the thing that's always made me tick. I, I, you know, I've never been particularly good at spending hours in a room practicing on my own. Um It's always been the joy of connecting with other people and just feeling part of that sound. You know, for, for a lot of years, I felt just like I didn't really have a musical home. You know, I played in orchestras and big bands and, and, you know, all, all kinds of different musical contexts. But I think that the common thread was, was making music with other people and feeling part of that sound and working with other people to create something beautiful. And I think all of those things, um, have kind of led me to do what I'm doing now. And I think the thing that's so wonderful about the voice is that it's, it's so democratic. Mm. You know, it took me years and years of playing and practicing the trombone to get to the point where I could make music in in, in a really kind of profound and, and meaningful and enjoyable way. And I think w- with singing, it can be so much more um, immediate. And, and, and that, that was a real revelation for me, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, to kind of realise that, I suppose. And, and you know, and there's so many things about singing as well. You know, the fact that it has words and that adds another level of power um, and connection to that in terms of emotional connection. Um, and so it kind of felt for me, you know, yeah, maybe seven or eight years ago when, when singing became such a big part of my practice that so many of these threads started coming together because, all through university I had a really strong interest in music therapy I actually thought that that was going to be my my kind of route because um as a music therapist you don't tend to then train until you know maybe in your late 20s or you know early 30s when you've had a bit of experience so mm. my lose plan was um was to come back to that and um I I, I do feel very much that the work that I do does have a strong therapeutic element not that I would ever Put that on a poster or advertise that in my marketing necessarily. I like people to come to that themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, but everything you're saying about health and, and well being, I, yeah, it completely resonates with me. And I think, you know, as I go on with my singing work, they're the areas that I'm really, really interested in. I mean, uh, for example, um, last weekend, I was facilitating a workshop at a a festival called the Good Grief Festival, Mm -hmm. a festival Builders, as a festival of love and loss. And I was leading a session there, which was designed for people to feel that that community of singing together, but also use that as a space to reflect and, and to grieve and do whatever they needed to do through through the song. And, and so that, that was a, a real privilege for me. But it, it's really interesting, um, you know, I'm still relatively new into my freelance career, but to find myself in, in those spaces which aren't kind of strict singing context, but they are, you know, kind of forums for discussing ideas um, around health and well-being and and what it what it means to live. Really, I mean, if that doesn't sound too grandiose, oh, it totally doesn't. Yeah.
2: And you know, if we're not going to think about that now, yeah, uh, in 2020, when are we ever going to think about it? Yeah. And and I do feel it's one of the you know the positive outcomes of people being forced into lockdown that they're stopping and thinking actually. Uh, What is life about? Mm. Do I need to work so hard for this success? You know, we've been called the more generation. We must have more of this. We must have more of that, more clothes, more money, more success. And suddenly when that's not in front of us anymore, you know, maybe we're looking up to the trees or the sky or we're looking across the table to members of our family and saying, actually, this is more important and Mm -hmm. I don't want to spend my life doing that. And I think it's a, a huge lesson for all of us. I mean, we've changed the way we're working very much as a result of delivering by Zoom. The way that we teach has changed mm-hmm. quite yeah. dramatically and yeah. in a good way. And we're not going back to teaching the way that we used to teach, no. whether we're in person or on Zoom.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: We've learned from that experience.
0: I think it's really interesting because to me, it makes complete sense what you've just been talking about, mm. that your route has taken you to... Um, voice and grief or voice and emotion. Mm. Mm. Because you are aware that when we sing, there is emotion involved. Because if there isn't, it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And you're dealing with strong emotions and you're actually creating an arena where people can deal with strong emotions mm. in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Ups- Absolutely, The yeah. safe environment thing is so important because we have mm. so few safe environments in the world at the moment.
2: Well,
4: I don't- um- Sorry, yeah. all, all, all I was going to say about that, sorry, Gillian, was that um, I, I completely uh, agree with you there, um, Jeremy. And, and the, I think the lovely thing about singing is that it is a safe space, but it's not necessarily where you say to everybody, this is a safe space, let's pass around the honesty stick. And, you know, <laughs> because I think there are a lot of people who um, would be resistant to that. Perhaps I would be, maybe. Um, but I think there's so much that you can do in a communal singing environment, if you scaffold it um, in the right way, if you facilitate it in the right way, if you sort of facilitate it with compassion and with love, where you don't have to tell people what you're trying to do, but they experience it for themselves. You might come together in the first instance because you have an interest in singing, and then because you find that people are of a like mind to you, uh, and they see the world in the same way as you. That then that enhances the musical experience. Or it might be the other way around: you, you join a group because you recognise something in the people there that you that you align to, and then the singing deepens that. And and for me, it just creates this kind of virtuous circle. And I'm, I'm just trying to find it on my phone here because at the minute we're just um, writing. Um, or oh, i have I have written a sofa singers manifesto um Ooh. based on on the feedback from uh the the members um you know I, I cast out saying you know wh- why is it important to you um you know what should be in the sofa singers manifesto oh, I've just found it would would you, would you like me to read it oh well, yeah do I, yeah. I think this just comes to serve the point because the sofa singers you know we reach singers in over 50 countries of every age demographic, um, you know, it, it's a really, really diverse um, group of things, but we come together around this sh- shared sense of purpose. So th- this is the, the, the best I could come up with. Um, we come together to sing, to share our songs and our stories, raising voices and lifting spirits. We come together to sing, to synchronize our breathing, our heartbeats and our dance moves. We come together to sing, to spark joy and human connection. We come together to sing, to feel the strength of our global community, supporting each other and our planet. We come together to sing, creating a space where everyone is valued and everyone is welcome. We come together to sing, as if to say we are here, we are human, we are alive.
2: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow.
0: In Series 2, Episode 2, we had two real live wires in the podcast, Voice, Voiceovers and VO Social. And this is Nick Redman and Liam Marks. Hello and welcome to Podcast <laughs> Series 2, Episode 2. I'm Jeremy Fisher.
2: And I'm Chileanne Cays. And we have
0: two guests with us today, Nicola Redman and Leah Marks from Hi. Full Service Social. Hello. Hello. I was having
2: such a nice boogie there during the intro. <laughs> you two can come again already. such <laughs>
0: fun. Okay, what's in your mug?
1: In my mug.
0: Show us your mugs.
2: A very
1: high quality espresso from my espresso machine downstairs because I, as well as all the other things, run a coffee business out of an Airstream caravan and have become the most appalling coffee snob. So, oh,
2: She's the, na- just a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. In, in a dreadful when
1: situation. You, when we used to go to coffee shops. So antisocial. Oh my I've got and
2: my...
0: Look, can I describe your mug for a moment, Leah? Because oh, yes, do. Because that too. is, it's beautiful. It's a sort Isn't... of
1: yellowy
2: green
0: flowers... And green, greeny, brown. Nineteen
1: seventies murky kitsch. I um, I love it. We we were looking for espresso cups for such a long time. And it's the most middle class thing I've ever ever said. But um, I didn't have an espresso cup. I just had like a cup with a short amount of espresso in it. And now oh. I've got an espresso cup from like a fancy shop. It was my it was my Christmas present. This
0: is that a sole one? Would you have the set?
1: The set, the set, oh. darling. The set. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's very nice, actually. Really nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so Nick, so what Nick, you what's got? in yours?
2: I've got my very, very best china cup for you guys today. I have two that a friend gave me. The rest of them are terrible mugs, just mugs, proper hardcore mugs. This is proper china. It's
1: the only one my mum will drink out of when she comes. Nice. To visit.
2: Nice.
1: Um, and it's
2: uh, gin. No, I'm joking. <laughs> because it's only t- eight minutes past ten. It's um, it's just builders brew, guys. It's just your classic builders brew with milk and everything. Nothing right. wrong with a builder's oh, that, brew. Oh, that, no. That takes me to where I am, Absolutely which
0: is. Not. That's your little. Like
2: Leah, I'm a bit of a tea snob. This is uh, a Villeroi and Bosch. In fact, it's a French oh, breakfast fabulous. coffee cup. But for me, because I like a decent brew, uh, that's the one that I use. And I use it without the saucer because, you know, I'm just a bit down market. <laughs> so what do you do with the saucer? I don't remember Making you know what you do with it. Smash it like a Greek. Smash it. I am officially a tea snob, I don't know how much the, you you can ah. see this. Just a
0: minute. This is obviously the queen's tea. sponsor's waiting to happen.
2: <laughs> couldn't feel any less inadequate <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I have got to tell you that what it says. Eine typische Teemischung für A typical tea well, for the Queen. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, then. And it's Lovely. it's fabulous. I I do love I I do love a decent cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. I'm, and I'm, you
0: I'm mixing my metaphors today. Normally, uh this is what I have, which is tea with a lid on it. And but that's, why like,
1: is the uh, uh, hang on. Hang does Don't on. be carrying on. What's the lid doing there? The lid is keeping the tea warm, OVS. You're not ha- gonna ha- drink ha- it ha-
2: though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do, keep it do you warm- dunk a biscuit in there when there's a lid on it? Take How do you dunk?
0: Off. Take the lid off.
2: That's put a lot. On. That's too many hands. I, I don't no. have that many hands, Jeremy. No, hold, take, it, hold the lid, hold, hold the lid, biscuit.
0: Hold
1: the lid, no, biscuit. No. No. Take inefficient. The lid off,
0: Sorry. The dunk, the, dunk the biscuit. Eat the biscuit. You're fired. Food.
1: You're fired from the <laughs> <Get> podcast. <out. laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. And the other one, and this is why I'm sort of hedging my bets today. This is Bulletproof Coffee.
1: And has that also got a lid
0: on it? This has not got a lid on it. Oh, no. It's right. just got a, a rim on it. And this is in one of these plastic beakers that is part of a um whizzer. What do they call them? A blender, a blender.
2: A blender, a blender thing. thing. We, won't, we, we don't have product plates It's part of a blender it, so. thing. So I'm
0: not going to demonstrate it because I would. You know, you turn it upside down and you put a uh, a blade oh, on
1: yes, it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I would
0: absolutely turn it upside down and throw the coffee all over my computer. <laughs>
2: So that's he's got a lid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's. What's, what's bulletproof?
2: Go. What's bulletproof coffee?
0: Bulletproof coffee is came from Mongolia. You know the um, Mongol tea that they serve people, which is basically yak's butter. And coffee mixed together.
1: Yeah, no, I do know oh. about it. You have your you have your butter um, in the coffee. Yes. My friend who oh, lost no. very quickly um, yeah. was like, "Oh yes, I just drink this special bulletproof coffee now. It's just black coffee with butter in it, um, and that's all I drink every day, all day. And somehow I'm losing loads of weight." So, um, <laughs> I don't quite know how I feel about it. To be I honest, I
0: mean, it's it's bulletproof. It's a uh, black coffee, uh, butter, and there is MCT oil. That's the it. other thing. Yes. And uh, I don't particularly like the the flavour because I don't like the flavour of butter oh, particularly. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sorry,
2: weird. you don't like, I can't, you don't like butter.
1: No. How long have you been involved in this cult?
2: <laughs> I thought we were going to be friends, but the little cup and now the butter, like. I'm sorry. <laughs> how, you know, the whole toast scenario without butter.
0: Who eats oh, toast no. without butter? No, vegan margarine. Mm. Not that I'm vegan. This is very interesting. Right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're leaving. That's it. Twenty
0: odd years ago, I was uh, doing a job in Buxton, um, in the North of England, and uh, that's how all good in, stories
1: start. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> sitting in the um, fish and chip shop, and somebody one of my one of my fellow musicians walked past and went, "I thought you were macrobiotic." and I thought what is it about me that gives out macrobiotic to somebody
1: I have a story I have a story to add to that is that um every two or three weeks someone assumes I'm vegetarian yeah it happens like even just on the phone sometimes oh yeah because you're a vegetarian aren't you Leah no 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 and once I asked somebody like directly why is it come on why is it that you think I'm a vegetarian and they looked straight at me straight at me within the same room directly in my face and they said I think it's because you've got dreads and I was like I haven't got dreads. (laughs) Why is this? Why is this? And then Nick said, Nick said on the podcast once, um, she said she thought it was because I come across as a bit lentily. I think that's uh, fair. It's nice. Took it to heart, I did. It's a good description. I think
0: I might adopt that. Our next guest was Series 2, Episode 4, Feeny Cave, on singing, lung health and COVID. Let's start with the opening of the episode.
5: Okay, so I'm going to be really honest. And careful and honest. So we know that what happened a year ago was that all of us who sing and teach singing lost our livelihoods Mm. overnight. And I think bizarrely with with COVID impacting on people's breathing, a lot of people who lost their livelihoods are now seeing this as a way of making a living again. And that's the bit that makes me really sad Mm. because it's not – This is why I suddenly lose all the business that I was just getting. It's it's not about learning to do a thing, to tick a bit of paper, to go out and carry on being a singing teacher, but just with a different Mm clientele. It's so much more complicated than that. I've worked with people in hospital beds who are literally dying, you know, palliative care, really breathless. Singing has been so supportive I mean, I'm remembering a lot of the the patients who just being able to manage and control their breath through using the right song has been, you know, they said things to me like that was the day I hope returned. The biggest amount of my work is around helping people to land back in their bodies in order to listen. And it makes mm, it can make people vulnerable. And if you are working as a vocal coach, you may have been a performer and there's quite a lot of ego and performance there. Hello, I've been there. (laughs) Um, So being able to be within your vulnerability and to open up heartfully to a another, not knowing what is going to happen, Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing, Mm -hmm. the not knowing and the fear around, I know we'll come to this around existing singing for lung health leaders and new people who are thinking of doing the work around COVID is off the page because it's unknown. But Mm -hmm. the whole joy of it is, is that as a music therapist, we are used to walking into a space. When I worked in the prison, I used to go down into the separation and care unit, known informally as SEG, where serious, you know, lifers were, and it was very, very unpredictable. But in a way, that's what allowed magic to happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes was less magical than, mm. than others. Mm. But it's being able to, to, to know enough, to have enough knowledge in your toolkit, and you will have seen this with singing teachers as well. Have enough in your toolkit to know how to respond, but allow for that pause to listen and to to see what's appropriate. Mm.
2: And that's that's about holding the space, isn't it? You're it really is. you need, and I think this is the terrifying thing for someone who's maybe working in the situations of of dealing with illness and singing is the ability to hold that space. And also we're going to be asking you about, you know, what's the knowledge set? What's the skill set that is required in order to hold that space so changes can be made? Mm. Um, I think that's a key thing. You're running your own program now, aren't you, called um, As Part of the Musical Breath, which is your company? What are you looking for in a singing for lung health leader? Already need to
5: have some basic skills and competencies. So we don't have time. It's a 20 hour training. We don't have time to teach the basics of song leading. So they have to have the basics of how to lead community singing or group singing teaching, either online or in person. They have to have a basic understanding, not your level of understanding, but a really basic understanding of vocal anatomy and physiology. Mm. I have had some extremely strange things written On um, application forms, which I won't quote because it would be disrespectful if anybody listening went, Oh my God, that was what I wrote. But Mm. there's some real misunderstandings from people who have been teaching for decades Mm. Mm -hmm. around what is a muscle, what is a nerve, Mm. particularly how the diaphragm is moved. And, you know, so they need to have that basic knowledge there. Um, What else do we require? Oh, Really importantly, some kind of, when I say body work practice, some kind of conscious body relaxation practice. So I'm always nervous saying that because it, it, it can get a bit wafty um, and wussy. But I mean, you know. You can go woo. <laughs> woo woo. woo is fine. But just something that helps them to notice their own breathing patterns, notice their own movement patterns, um, not just be kind of moving blindly through space. So really mm-hmm. some kind of practice that that means they have some kind of connection with breath being movement and movement being breath, mm-hmm. breath being voice, voice being breath, you know, that sort of relational thing. It's, um, exp- yeah.
0: it's, that's experience of an awareness mode.
5: Oh, experience of an awareness mode. Tell me more.
0: Um, an awareness mode can be any um, formal or informal thing. Mm-hmm. It could be yoga. It could be Feldenkrais. It could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's something that it requires you to bring your attention to something.
5: Yes, and I'm loath to use that word mindful, but actually mindful in the original sense of the word, mm-hmm. rather than mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things is, back to what we were saying earlier, what you don't want to do with somebody with a chronic lung condition is to try and fix. Mm -hmm. You want to look, and Jeremy, this is what you were saying earlier, you want to look and say, what are you doing and how is that serving you? Mm -hmm. Because if you go ploughing in there and try and pull away everybody's defences, you're asking for trouble. So Mm -hmm. what are you doing? How is that serving? And can I invite some options for
0: you, yes,
5: yes. that it's very been much. a joy. Mm. um,
0: we better not leave it quite as long next time. no,
2: quite
0: no,, uh, take care. it's lovely, thank you thank you so
2: much, <laughs> Feenie. um, hang around for the jingle,
0: yes, I will, and we'll see you soon.
2: And look out for a recent podcast in which we were guests for our colleague in Australia, Dr. Marissa Lee Naismith. And the title of her podcast is The Voice and Beyond.
0: I think you'll hear things about us that you might not expect because it's very much about how we take care of ourselves as trainers, as podcasters.
2: Uh, and as a power couple, apparently. Yeah,
0: yes. I mean, you'll hear my, my opinion of the phrase power couple. But the point is that we work together. We live together we play together um and so it's how we maintain we our are own... in fact married we, we dear are listener ma- we are married yes <laughs> yes what's that line from the jane austen Thing uh,
2: I married him reading. I think it was that one. We do, in fact, talk about how we met, don't we, on that podcast? We
0: do, we do, and also the way that we maintain our own integrity as well, as well as our own mental health, which is really important when you are working and living together very, very closely. I'm as glad we do. one of
2: us has maintained our mental health.
0: <laughs> so, um, we're not sure which one it is though. Um,
2: but to you know, to be serious, what I particularly like about the approach that um, Marissa's taken is that if we are going to be great at our job as trainers we do need to take care of ourselves uh, mentally physically as well as vocally yes. and i think um it's going to be a lovely podcast series and we yes. were thrilled to be one of her early guests
0: so if you have anything that you want us to talk about in our next episodes please do a speak pipe speakpipe.com vocal process and you can do a recording of a question that we will then play and answer and you know us by now that we're not going to give you a glib answer one of our answers is normally about 15 minutes long so please give us some good questions right
2: i think we're done i think
0: we're done thank you very much for listening okay bye this is a voice a podcast with dr jillianne case and jeremy
5: fisher